Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Start of a new week, Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Batman, apparently. Are you wearing like a navy blue camo shirt? What's going on there? I am. I am. Okay. You trying to like hide in the ocean? What's going why don't I don't get it? No, it's just, just kind of a thing. Okay. Camo print is really, really big right now. Oh, you Has open for... the latest fashion trends? I mean, I'm wearing a comic book So t-shirt. hot right now. No, I wasn't necessarily putting it that way, but I mean, I guess I kind of keep up and... I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> I have a wife that owns a boutique and, you know, kind of all those yeah, things. women. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is a true statement, Michael Borky. <laughs> It's just Monday, guys. We're off to a flying start. Let's roll. I kind of like my blue camo golf shirt. I thought it was um, the state fans. That, you know what? Never mind. Yeah. That's a different type of camo, man. I guess, yeah. It's not all not, not all created equally, I suppose. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. As I was saying, I'm Richard Cross. That guy's Brian Haydad. You heard Michael Borky just a second ago. We are glad to have you along. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Be honest, you know that your business deserves better, so get better with a C Spire business internet and phone bundle backed by real support. See how C Spire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. I was thinking a second ago, hey, Dad, um... We got a watch that you can change the watch bands out on, and uh, I've got a rubber blue camo band that I've had on it until just recently. Well, nobody will spot you in the Ole Miss student section. <sighs> that that is a true statement on so many levels, <laughs> so many levels. Uh, I do have something that I'm excited about, and I didn't even know that it was happening until. Three minutes ago, I had it. Uh, I had pulled up ESPN.com, and there was a uh, a web banner across the um, across the top of the page, and it says Bronco Built Wild. It's got the Ford Bronco logo on it, and over on the opposite side of the banner, it says Join the Reveal tonight at eight o'clock Eastern. Tonight they will reveal the greatly anticipated. New Ford Bronco. There has not been a new Ford Bronco made since 1996. That is when the two-door gas-guzzling behemoth went away. And it was so cool. 
that was the vehicle that I always wanted. Like if I could have picked any vehicle in high school, it wasn't a truck. It was you know Z seventy ones were uh, people that had way more money than I did were driving those, and it wasn't the the sports car. It was a big full size Ford Bronco. Never got one. Maybe one day. Nobody else is excited about this as I am. It, so when in in ninety six it got discontinued, is that literally a direct response to the OJ chase? No, 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 no. Not it's not. Just, okay, see, I, I, no. I don't remember. No, no, they were just phasing it out. They phased that out, and that's when they brought the uh, the expedition to market. the The Ford Expedition made its debut in nineteen ninety seven. Um. And it was actually preceded by a year or two by the new body style F-150. That's I think 96 was the first year. It might have been 95, but I think 96 was the first year that Ford went away from kind of the squared-off body style on the truck. They went to the more rounded version. And then the Ford Expedition kind of took on the look of the F-150 in their SUV, and they phased out the Ford Bronco. What I am to Ole Miss football history, Richard is to Ford truck history. Knows it all. I don't know but that I know it all. I just remember I've always liked Ford vehicles and uh, proud that Ford brings us the college football fix every day. We'll get to that coming up to start the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Tim and Tupelo says he learned to drive on a 76 Bronco. Matt in Newsite says put on the OJ, uh, put OJ in the commercials. Richard well, and Wiggins. They, they had to release it today, if you remember, because they accidentally selected OJ's birthday as their release day. Uh, I didn't know that. Wow. So they pushed it back like 10 days because of it. <laughs> yeah. Richard and Wiggins says uh, Ford Bronco with a big old speaker box in the back. I hear you, man. Uh, <laughs> here's a message that says all camo matters. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, Thomas and Greenwood says the OJ Mobile. Yeah, his was was all white. I I was not even I was not even picky on the color that I wanted. So the they had the the green with the tan top. This was the the Eddie Bauer version of. It. They had the green with the tan top, the blue, the black, the dark red, and then kind of a creamy white. And and those were the I think five colors. The only five colors that came. In the Eddie Bauer edition, and then in the XLT edition, you know, you could get a bunch of colors there as well, but it wasn't the solid color with the tan back. Borky, do you even know what I'm talking about? You've seen one of these, haven't you? I have, yeah. Okay. They are so cool. Anyway. The new one, at least the concepts I've seen, look sweet, too. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Uh, I'm going to be fascinated to kind of dive in and look at them. Somebody says, tell Richard I've got an 84 full-size Ford Bronco with 35-inch mud tires for sale. Whew, big tires. You can tell them yourself. You just told me. Send me a picture to price. Although I'm not sure that I'm in the market for a vehicle right now. But if the price is right, If the price is right, that thing will be in your driveway next week. Yeah, maybe. Kind of thinking more along the 94, 95, 96 era is what I'm looking for. But those are hard to find, and they're expensive when you can find them, especially the ones that are in uh, in decent shape. I, uh, I have a buddy who 
What was your first vehicle? What you guys? What's the first vehicle you drove? Borky, hey. let's make that. Hold on, time out for a second. Let's make that the uh, the Twitter poll write-in question today. First vehicle that was all yours, assuming it at some point in high school or whenever it was. Like I shared a a, a little two-door Nissan five-speed pickup, no power, anything with my dad for a little while, but my first like all by myself vehicle was a 1990 Chevy Blazer with a rebuilt 4.3 liter V6 motor in it and it was four-wheel drive and you didn't have to have a key to crank it. The ignition switch did not need a key. Hey, that was what was the first thing you drove. God, it was an old beater. I don't even really remember the make of it. But it was, I, I didn't, I was a grown up almost when I had it, and my mom couldn't afford a car. Uh, yeah. I was in my 20s. Um, but it was this little red beater that I just basically, and I, I lived, this is when I lived in Jackson, and I yeah. lived a block away from where I worked, and I would just walk. I very rarely even drove that thing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like a Ford Tempo or a Cutlass or God, who, who knows? No, no. It was like a little hatchback, man. It was tiny. Hmm. Borky, what was your first vehicle? It was a burnt orange Chevy Colorado. <laughs> okay. Gifted to me by my grandfather. And Welcome. God rest his soul. He was a, a wonderful man, but he told me that he got me that color because it was the same color as my high school. Was it Joey the Burns? So I, I drove around school colors for three years in high school. And proud to have it, right? I mean, burnt orange is just... And especially on a car, too, because it's that shiny finish, so it looked like a penny, basically. Uh, not a good look. <laughs> four-wheel drive? Oh, yeah, four-wheel drive. Only two doors, though. Well, I guess the half doors. And nobody could fit in the back. I could barely get golf clubs back there, so nobody was riding in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Luke Johnson just sent me a message, said that his sister-in-law drove a 96 Ford Bronco in high school. It was the dark red with tan top Eddie Bauer. Nice. That's uh, pretty strong. Pretty strong. We're going to get to a bunch this afternoon. I decided we would go lighthearted out of the gate because, well, there's not a ton of good news to get to. You've got the meeting happening in Birmingham today with all 14 SEC athletics directors and conference officials. It's not really expected that you get any, I don't know, any real breaking news out of that. They're just talking. Uh, there is very little optimism in the college football world right now. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say very little. Maybe I should say whatever optimism exists is dwindling in the college football world about a season of any kind in the fall and the prospects of a spring season are just not gaining a lot of traction. We'll get into that story and a whole lot more with you when we continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Also, we'll talk about what some of our first vehicles were. That's coming up. Week from Thursday, it is the 8th Annual Palmer Home for Children Radiothon right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Every year there are children across the state that need a loving home, and many times 
These children's are caught. Uh, these children are caught in unimaginable circumstances. That's why we need your help. You'll find out how Palmer Home for Children rescues and restores children. It's a faith-based organi- organization. Excuse me. That doesn't take government money. So uh, we need your help. One of the many ways that you can help is by donating an item to our Radiothon online auction. Still time to do that. Money raised from your item will go directly to help these children. If you've got something you'd like to donate to be auctioned during the Radiothon, let us know by emailing us. Donate at supertalk.fm. Again, it's donate at supertalk.fm. We are glad to be with you this afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky. And Brian Hayden, I got to read some of these responses because they are fantastic. The question on the table, right in poll question today on um, the uh, Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M I S S. What was the first vehicle you drove? High school, college, whenever it was. Keith Invaden, nineteen sixty six Volkswagen Beetle that he bought in nineteen seventy five. So it was a nine-year-old Volkswagen Beetle. Beautiful. Here's one. 1950 Ford Businessman's Coupe. It was lime green, and you could put five guys in the trunk to sneak into the drive-in movie. It had a flathead V8. Alex says he loved that car. Tried to visualize that. Five guys in the trunk. Well, with the way things are going, we might be headed back towards smuggling people into drive-in movie theaters. 1990 Ford Taurus that would die every time I'd stop. I actually had a kid on a bike laugh at me at a stop sign one time. <laughs> I had a Ford Taurus at one point. Um, 1969 Chevelle Malibu. Nice. Roger Ryanzi, I like this one. He says it was a 1976 Ford F100, and it had the 400 big block motor, and he named it Blue Ford. Larry and McGee went with a 1979 Broncos. It was blue and white. Got a, uh, not sure who this is from, a 1974 Opal Cadet. 86 model Bronco 2, so that was the smaller version of the Bronco. A 74 model Ford Pinto. John and Pearl had a 65 Vista Cruiser. Ooh. See, that's what I'm looking for right there. John in Oxford says, My neighbor bought a 1994 Ford Bronco that was Kelly Green and was a retired U.S. Forestry Service truck. Says it's awesome. That's what I'm looking for. One of those. These are awesome. Josh had a 1990 model Dodge Ram work truck with a 318 Magnum in it. Julie and Winona drove a 1979 Buick Rivera. Uh, Riviera, sorry. Said it had a horn like a train. You guys aren't even remotely interested in this, are you? I mean, I'm listening. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. A buddy of mine just went uh, down the nostalgia road and went out and uh, found either a 90 or a 91 model Chevy Blazer. It's what he had in high school. 
and he found one that was in like a grandma's garage with like 74,000 original miles on it. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, instant classic. Instant classic. Uh, what do you make of what's happening today in uh, in Birmingham? So, Sports Illustrated wrote the story. Uh, not that we need anything confirmed from what Ross Dellinger writes, but uh, certainly can confirm that this meeting had been on the books for a while. And he said it had been scheduled for at least two weeks. Uh, know that there was some discussion within the SEC office that as soon as was possible in the month of July, they wanted to get all the athletics director in the same the athletics directors in the same place and have a meeting where everybody was able to sit down and talk and get away from the Zoom meetings. There was an AD call on Friday. It was a Zoom call for uh, all the sitting uh, athletics directors. Uh, they had debated when in the month of July to have this, whether it should be at the very beginning, whether it should be at the end of the month, a little closer to football season, and ultimately decided the sooner in the month, the better. So they got through the 4th of July holiday week and then put it on the uh, on the schedule, obviously, for today. The original plan was just to kind of talk about everything, you know, recovery process, how you're handling testing, best practices, etc. The agenda items, though, probably took a pretty dramatic turn what would you anticipate the mood was like when they got started today? Or as they went through the day? Anxious would be the word I would come up with. Um, based on a lot of stuff I've seen from other places, not directly involving the SEC, um, the financial component is real. I mean, I sent you guys a stat where, where Iowa State, Iowa State, if they don't play football this fall, would lose 40 million dollars uh so what kind of scale do you think that exists at a place like alabama or lsu or even Ole miss or mississippi state where uh we get a lot more money here for being in the sec than than they do there it is i don't know if it would be a desperate angst but that that would be it is anxious they need this to happen or else in one of the articles i read an ad was quoted we're all f word they're all for lack of a better term, they're all screwed if we don't have football this fall. So they need what are you, to woge all of a sudden. I, I no, because I didn't reply to. Uh, uh, I know, I know. Um, but that's what We're they all are. Seventeen is the uh, appropriate vernacular. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, driving over to Birmingham, I, I bet they were nervous because if they don't find a way to make this happen, they're screwed. One thing that sort of bothered me about the, this, and it's not from the athlete, is, is the, the the media member saying, "Don't expect them to." You know, this was already on the books. Yeah, well, you know, we can have a meeting on the books, but if you know Borky gets a new job and decides, "Hey, I'm leaving," we have to change the agenda of the meeting. So the idea that they're not over there right now, and that's not the number one thing on the agenda, and there there might be something come out of it today that we find out is silly to me. Now. They're, they're, they're talking about this right now. They're, 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 that's, that's the number one thing to talk about is what's going to happen with college football season. And now that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have made these moves, what are we going to do? That's what they're talking about. So I'm not of the belief that it, that this is just business as usual meeting and we're not going to find anything out. I, I imagine some news will leak out of it at some point this week. Yeah, well, we may see. I mean, I, I think you'll at least be able to gauge where the ADs are. Like, like, where, in conjunction with the leadership at the conference level, 
collectively this group of leaders kind of is looking at things. Um, you know what I'd love to see that we just don't have? And, and this is something that we're not going to get because nobody wants to attach deadlines or numbers to anything. But it'd be nice if there was like a, if this, then this. You know, if by August the 10th, there is a 30% reduction in the daily positive test results from today's date, or, or you know, what, what's today, the 13th? If one month from today there is a 50% reduction in the daily average positive test rate for the seven-state footprint of the SEC, then we will proceed to attempt to play games by... September 17th. You're not going to get that. It feels like a very fair idea. And I just pulled the the dates and the percentages, you know, just kind of yanked them out of the sky. I will tell you this. This may be the most concerning and most sobering news when it comes to some form of a college football season. Right? It's not that, oh, it'll be a conference slate of 10 games or 8 games or, oh, it'll start October. It's, we've got real significant problems in terms of testing. 14 schools in the SEC are having to administer tests to their student athletes. The school that is turning those tests around the best, the fastest, is Georgia. They are turning around test results in 24 hours. That is spectacular. The school that is doing the worst job with that, or it's taking the longest, I don't have the name to give you, but I was told the turnaround time on testing is 11 days. That's what you're dealing with. Well, there's no point at that point, is there? One school turning tests around in 24 hours, one school taking 11 days. How are you going to play a football season like that? Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. I'm uh, I'm getting a kick out of some of the uh, responses on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk MISS on the first vehicle you ever had. Um, Sydney said that he had a uh, 1989 Chevy Celebrity, and somebody was asking him if it was the station wagon version, and he said, no, you had the full trunk. And I did a quick Google search and had completely forgotten completely forgotten that my parents at one point had a white Chevy celebrity station wagon. This was not one of the fancy ones that was like that had the wood paneling down the sides. It was just like the the all white. It was um it was something. Woo I do remember that when you folded up the, the back end of the station wagon there was like a hidden compartment in there. Like you could lift oh, yeah. up and there's like a down below like above the spare tire, but like the. I'm sure there was a Saturday night skit, uh, Saturday Night Live skit somewhere about what you keep in there. 
Nobody caught that reference. It's okay. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Uh, 601-879-4395 if you would like to be a part of the conversation. So I'm, I dropped that, that kind of nugget on you as we were going to the break. We need to talk about that a little bit more from a testing standpoint, right? So you got a whole bunch of people that are taking tests. The President of the United States has pointed out that one of the reasons that we have so many positive tests is because we're doing so much testing. I think we can agree that that's true, even if you don't agree with why he's saying that. He's trying to say that it's not a big deal. Anyway, never mind what he's trying to say. Part of the reason that there's so many positive tests is because we're doing a bunch of tests. There, there, there's no that it, that in and of itself, taken by itself, is that, a fact. Not a political statement. It's yeah, not a polit- just yeah. just statement of fact. Yeah. Um. But because we're doing so many tests, testing supplies are running short. Because we're doing so many tests, test result facilities, labs, are running behind. And there's just no uniformity. I don't know that the the accuracy on the test is terribly high. Which is why, I mean, NBA players are getting tested every day for that reason. So if they get a negative, they'll test the, or a positive, they'll test the dude tomorrow. And if it's negative, he'll, he'll press on. They're not announcing positive tests right away for that very reason, because there's been some inconsistencies. Got a buddy who's taken three coronavirus tests in the, uh, in the last week. One of them was positive, two of them were negative, and he can't decide if he's positive or negative. Majority rules, I would go with. Well, yeah, you would, but I mean, can you roll the dice on that and be around other people? Well, mask and social distance, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I, th- but that's, those are the questions that nobody really has an answer to, right? Because, I mean, how often are you going to test these guys? I read an ar- article earlier today that um, was kind of in line with our thinking of people that are blasting the conference-only idea don't quite understand the financial imbalance in college football. Uh, the SEC teams can afford to do... as as much testing as they want. Now, it's really expensive, but they can do it. But the UTEPs of the world, they can't come close. And so it's better for you to just play against the people you know can follow protocols from a financial side than otherwise. But how often are you going to test your team? Is it three days a week? I mean, the NBA is doing every day, but they have access to not the big nasal swabs anymore. They're doing multiple different kinds. And they have like... A disease control, like, um, what would you call it? Remote lab, like on the bubble with them. You can't do that in college football, obviously. So, how often do you test them? And if they're not getting turned around in 24 hours, do you test guys on Wednesday and then find out on Saturday morning if they can play? That doesn't seem logistically right or, either. Or, or in the case of the SEC school, where SEC school, and it's not necessarily the school's fault, where it's taking 11 days to get test results. You just can't. You can't do. What are you going to do? Test them on Wednesday and then get them for week two of the season. The results. And we've had people ask us, "Well, why delay the season only three weeks? It's not like the coronavirus is going to go away on September nineteenth as opposed to September sixth. Maybe that's part of the reason why. It's just more time will give you more avenues to get more access to testing. Maybe even stockpile some if you need be or if you need to." 
but that just gives them more time to regulate and be more regular with their testing protocols. Hey, Dad, I saw the director of the CDC a little while ago, apparently in a press conference, said if everybody would commit to wearing masks for six weeks, we'd knock this thing back. Good luck. The direct quote is, if everyone could wear a face covering over the next six weeks, we could drive this into the ground. That's the director of the Center for Disease Control. To steal from my podcast, I believe that's a thing that is true, but I don't know if people will do it or not. I mean, I'll advocate it, and if I'm wrong six weeks from now, and you can come on Twitter and make fun of me all you want. I really don't care, but I'm willing to give it a try. I've got mine right here. Check it out. It's pretty sweet. We have to wear them in the office now? Look at that thing. Nice. nice. You get the Pelican's mask? Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? There you go. There you Very go. good. Very good. Uh, it's you got to wear it in I the said. office? Only, like only when you're not behind the microphone, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless like I'm in my office with my door shut. But if you're going to be around people in any way, shape, or form, they're asking us to put them on. I mean, we're... The entire metro area is under the the governor's um, mandate. So, I mean, if not inside here, it's inside everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm good with this, right? Not not that anybody necessarily wants to do it or it's all that convenient, but, I mean, what's the worst thing that's happening by wearing a mask? It's a little hot? You need to brush your teeth a little more often because your breath kind of stinks a little bit? I keep a big thing of extra of the the, 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 the uh, in the car. Every time I put there the mask go. on, I pop, I pop a piece of gum. Uh, what? I mean, maybe you get a little, couple of little pimples along the bottom of your chin because of where the mask rubs. I mean, if those are the worst things that are happening, then you know, might as well give it a go. I had a buddy who who just had a child recently that uh, in a group text earlier said that he would wear his kids' diapers on his head if it meant he got to go to a football game this fall. Kids' diapers, not a used one, but just like he would, yeah, he would strap one. a yeah. diaper around his head if that meant he got to go inside of a stadium. And yeah. for me, and I said this on the podcast, I may have said it here, but what I said about the flag, how you couldn't be pro flag and pro your school of choice, it's the same thing here. You can't tell me yeah, I want football back, but I won't wear a mask. Those are mutually exclusive at this point. And obviously wearing a mask doesn't mean that you wear a mask 100% of the time. No. You wear it for the 30 minutes you're at the store. You you wear a mask when you're at the store, you're in public, you are around people that are not your family. Kind of it. So we'll see. If you were an athletics director in that room today, what would you be saying? Um, that's a really good question because it's so many things. But one, my message would be, like I said before, we need to figure this out and find a way to play. We, we have to. There's no choice. I've seen more and more people suggest that the spring's a viable option, but I don't see that either. For a lot of reasons. And, and when you see, when you have doctors and medical people saying that it's really just not a safe thing to do to ask these kids to play two full seasons in one year with 
half the time in between, that's probably not a viable option either. There's also no guarantee that this is gone in February either. So if you move the season to February, and oh, by the way, the coronavirus is still around because it is a virus. You don't just snap your fingers and it disappears. Even if we have developed a vaccine by then, are you taking it? Because I know a lot of people that won't just because it's so brand new. It's going to be around a while. There's no guarantee that we can have full stadiums a few months from now. I would say... Figure this out right now. We need to play this fall. If it's eight games, if it's ten games, if it's just the teams within our own vicinity, whatever, we have to play. And also, on a secondary, I would ask, if we're going to have a a plan, please try to include at least one game against not an SEC team, if we can. Preserve the rivalries. If we're going to play, we might as well try to do that too, right? I just wonder when the athletic directors and the coaches and stuff are going to stop making, you know, nice PSAs and start saying, hey, you, and in no uncertain terms, what has to happen. Think there's still time? I do. I do believe there's still time. Not for a Labor Day weekend start. Probably not, but to get into late September, early October, yes, there's time. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. So, Russell Westbrook's got the Rona? He does, but luckily, uh, he has not yet to arrive in Orlando. And that's why he's late, because he tested positive. So that's a really important thing is... Uh, he has not been hanging around other guys and then tested positive. He is not there yet. Put it on his Insta. I tested positive for COVID-19 prior to my team's departure to Orlando. I'm currently feeling well, quarantined, and looking forward to rejoining my teammates when I'm cleared. Thank you for all the well wishes and continued support. Please take this virus seriously. Be safe. Mask up. Hashtag why not. James Harden is not there either. Um, he just wanted to hang it his preferred clubs a little while longer before he entered the bubble. <laughs> he knew what they were going to be deprived of. Although there uh, there was some kind of Instagram model or something that's claiming that she's already been invited to sneak inside of the bubble. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. And that very Maybe. well could have been, like, fake to get popular, but I wouldn't put it past these guys. So would it surprise you is perhaps the better question. Oh, not one bit. Uh, Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Our company receives COVID test results in less than an hour. 11 days is not wanting to know. Yeah, man, I, I don't know what the process is. I mean, maybe they're sending them to Bangladesh to have them processed there. I, I don't know. But the person who told me that would know. Maybe they don't want to know the answer to it. Maybe there's a bottleneck in that particular state. Maybe the supply chain people that they're using are using carrier pigeons and Pony Express to get the test from one spot to another. I don't know. Just relaying the info. And I'm telling you that one school in the SEC, Georgia, is processing tests and turning them around in 24 hours. And there is a school at the opposite end of the spectrum that it is taking 11 days. I don't know that that's every test. Maybe that was a one-off. Just sharing the info. 
I mean, and really, all baseball's doing had is, issues too, though. So it's not just that school. I mean, it's yeah, well. and I, I think more the illustration though is that it's not uniform, right? I mean, the, there there's no you take a test, you send it to this place, they process it in six hours, and you get the results before the sun comes up the next morning. Just, I'm not laughing at you. I don't know if that's why you paused or not. What are you laughing at? Uh, it appears Manchester United blew it in the final minute of the game here. That's good news for my boys. Wait, were you going to be out? No, we would have been dropped down to fourth. But uh, now if, if this goal stands, and I don't see why it wouldn't, oh, yeah, that's a good goal, uh, then they'll stay in third. Good thing that's not my team. <laughs> not sure that we've established yet who my team is. We have not, but we'll get there eventually. <laughs> it's that yeah. <laughs> that's like the last kick of the game, probably. Richard points out that rapid test results are not that accurate. That's the other thing that I was going to say a second ago. Is that's what I've heard is when you do the quick turnaround test time, the accuracy suffers apparently. I don't know. Either of you taken the COVID test? No, have not. I have not. I, I haven't. I you know, I, and I'm a guy. You know, I had asthma when I was a kid, and I, I sometimes get colds pretty easily. I, I haven't had any kind of symptoms of of a such throughout this. So you have very thankful. Had symptoms? I have not. I have not had oh. any symptoms. You know. Like, I don't know if it's, like, seasonal allergies, but I sometimes I just get, like, a terrible cough or just be, you know, sort of stuffy or whatever. Uh, but I have not had any problems uh, this whole time, if, thankfully. If you, if you got symptoms, like, before you even went and got tested, what would your fear level be? Knowing would you what be happened like, to David Johnson. Nah, whatever. And, or would no, you be like... No. Knowing what happened to David Johnson and knowing that he and I are probably pretty close to the same age and... I'm a bigger guy like like he was before he got sick, and I would be very nervous. Yeah. How would you react, Borky? Uh, more frustration than anything else. Um, would have to not touch my son for two weeks. I couldn't imagine not being able to to do that. That would just kill me. So that that's all I would think about really is the fact that I couldn't be around him for two weeks or however long. Yeah. I think it'd be hard to do too. It's like, okay, how do you stay away from all the people in your house because you don't want to infect them and who else do you need to stay away from? Yeah. Like I could and my office is separate from the house. And I could kind of hang out there, but and I have a bathroom there, and I don't have any way to bathe there. And I don't think I can go for two weeks without those two things. Hose yourself off in the back, buddy. Yeah, maybe that's the way to go. Do the uh, which in the middle of the summer when it's ninety-five degrees, not that big a deal. Not that that good. We are solving problems. Well done, Michael Borky. Here we go, 4 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian, hey, Dad. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. The C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Want double the data? 
For the same dang price, well, now all prepaid by C Spire plans get double the high-speed data through the end of the year. No bull, just better wireless. Learn more at cspire.com slash prepaid. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. We've got winners and losers coming up in just a second. couple of things. Uh, shams, shams, shams. 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 I don't know why I can't ever remember that. So Shams is a great NBA Franzo, writer. It doesn't matter. Says uh, Kings center Rishon Holmes crossed the Disney campus line to pick up delivery food and must quarantine for 10 days, eight of them remaining. In related news, National Collegiate Athletics Association was so mad at Alabama that Kent State got the death penalty. <laughs> you said it NBA wanted to make an example out of somebody. Yeah, that's kind of what's going on here. If LeBron needed to make an example out of somebody, they could have caught LeBron at a restaurant with like three positive tested people with no mask on, and they would have been sitting like, in hey, his well. lap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry. You know, and, and would right not have been it. an issue. You're thinking of James Harden again? Oh, yep, yep. <laughs> apparently so. They did get really good news though. So. When players arrived in Orlando last week, they made them quarantine in their rooms for 48 hours. They, they all had to. Uh, they tested 322 players on Tuesday of last week, only two positives, and they didn't let them enter the bubble with everybody else. So, so far, uh, only two positives out of 322, and that was before they opened the bubble. So, so far, so good as far as their path to getting games going here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. There's an interesting string of tweets from the governor of the state of Mississippi. And I'm going to read them to you. Because I'm fascinated by this, to be perfectly honest. This is as it pertains to COVID. Governor Reeves says, let's talk about herd immunity. I've listened to some people argue that the rapid spread of cases is a good thing and we need to reach herd immunity in Mississippi and elsewhere to survive. I'm not a healthcare expert by any means, but I am a math guy, and I have these thoughts. The experts say we need 70 to 80% of the population to get COVID-19 to achieve herd immunity. Let's assume they're wrong. It's certainly possible they have been before. Let's assume they're being way overly cautious, and we only need 40% infection for herd immunity. In Mississippi, our population is 3 million. We've had 36,680 cases so far. To meet the 40% threshold, we would need 1.2 million infections to achieve that hypothetical number. Remember, experts say it's actually double that. Over the last two weeks, our hospital system has started to become stressed to the point of pain. We are seeing the early signs and effects of it becoming overwhelmed. We had to suspend elective surgeries again. On our worst day of new cases, we had just over a 1,000. It's typically been between 700 and 900 during the most aggressive time. To get 40% infections, we'd need 3,187 new cases every day for a full year from today. We would need to triple our worst day every day for a year. 
And then he wraps it up by saying, I'm not one of these guys that immediately dismisses any idea that challenges the expert status quo talking points. I'm pretty skeptical by nature. That's healthy. But herd immunity is not anything like a realistic solution in the short or midterm. I wish it was. Unless you're willing to go without hospitals after a car wreck or heart attack, we need a different approach. Right now, despite mixed messages at the beginning, it seems like masks are the best bet. They're a hell of a lot better than widespread shutdowns. Please wear one. That is from Governor Tate Reeves. At this point... He makes a lot of sense there. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I didn't realize it was that significant. On top of the studies that have said, and it, it's still a new virus, but I, I read yesterday morning that antibodies aren't present after a few months. At least they diminish greatly. So even the concept of that from a you're immune forever yeah. so far hasn't held up either. Right. I, I don't know what other... What else has to be done to to convince people to do it just when not at home not when you're in the car not when you're taking a walk around the neighborhood just when you're going into the grocery store what reason would you not wear one now after the head of the cdc after your very republican governor um, health ex- experts i, I mean <laughs> I, I like how you re- <laughs> You're very Republican governor. <laughs> yeah. What, what is the counter at this point? I mean, president, the, the president now is wearing one. What else do you need? Yeah. It's just a few minutes fun. when you go in public. You just, inside. you just talked yourself into a corner, basically. You've sat here and spent the last few weeks screaming that anyone who does that is weak and, you know, doesn't believe in freedom. And now the president's that most of those people with support is doing it and you're just like crap so you know what are you going to do you've talked yourself into it you know what brian hey you know the life lesson that brian haydad taught us he taught us a very real real time life lesson last year and has admitted that this is his way of thinking it's okay to change your mind yes Brian Haydad went from Joe Burrow really should be sacking groceries at the sack and save. He went from that to, guys, I'm driving the train for the Heisman Trophy. Get on board. Exactly. He changed his mind. When you get presented with evidence that made more sense than what he was using earlier. That's my T-shirt. We finally got it. We finally know what's going to go on my T-shirt. Hey, what's Dad, that? It's okay. It's okay to change your mind. Okay. That's my. That that is my. You know, Borky for something. And hey, Dad, it's okay to change your mind. There's my platform to run for office right there. We're I, going to get to winners and losers in a bit. Hey, uh, Borky, what was that? Oh, my my platform would be no taxes. Borky, no taxes. Hey, Dad, you can change your mind. That's my platform. I think I could win a lot of votes if I ran on it. You're not going to get taxed anymore, but I don't know if it's practical. Probably not practical. (laughs) (laughs) I've had more fun reading... It would make me happier, that's all. I've had more fun 
reading the first vehicle tweets. What was your first vehicle? And we have got Borky. I don't remember the last time we got this much engagement on a write-in poll, but I mean it's just one after another after another. Eighty-six Volkswagen Jetta Wolfsburg was like a butterscotch tan color. Sounded like a German tank when it started. I paid eight hundred dollars for it, wrecked it six months later, and sold the scrap for like thirteen hundred bucks. Was an awesome first ride. <laughs> 1990 Chevy uh, Silverado single cab. It's a good truck. 1987 Mazda 626. That's from Will. I Googled a picture, and I love Tom's first car. 1962 Corvair. He said I'd pull into the gas station and say, check the gas and fill it up with oil. <laughs> Eighty-six Ford Mustang hatchback. I'm not sure that that eighty-six to ninety-four, ninety-three, ninety-four. I'm not sure that's the Ford Mustang's proudest days. Like the '60s Mustangs, yeah. Made a heck of a reboot mid '90s, and you know have gone forward with them. That whole mid-80s to mid-90s era for the Mustang was not its best. Some might argue. 1988 Ford Ranger, 67. There's a 76 Mustang hatchback. An 85 Plymouth Grand Fury. Johnny with the 1984 powder blue Dodge Aries K. The infamous K car. It was... Literally, a metal car with an engine, zero frills, and, like, plastic interior seats. Maybe vinyl. Perhaps the most utilitarian vehicle in the history of automobiles. But he says it was great. One more. 79 Vet. Chevette, that is. Tan pleather interior. Beautiful. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. We always do this on the first day of the new work week. We think about what we liked and what we didn't like from the weekend. We call it winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner. And will not tolerate a loser. So what'd you like from the weekend? What did you not like? Send us your thoughts on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. From the weekend, what did you like? Hey Dad, give me a winner. Jeffrey Simmons. Okay. Uh, Simmons was back in Starkville uh, this past weekend and put on a really great football camp uh, that was free, free of charge. And you talk about a star-studded lineup of guys who came to help him. Talking about A.J. Brown, Montez Sweat, Elton Jenkins, 
uh, JT Gray, Deion Calhoun, Raquan Davis, a ton of guys who are going who play in the NFL or will be there uh, later this season who came and put on a great uh, free football camp. Think about it. I mean, eight, nine, ten-year-old kids getting instruction. And some high school kids, too. Some of the top prospects in the state were there. Getting instruction from NFL players like that, it cost them nothing. Uh, they did a good job, evidently, just reading this article uh, of you know making sure all the protocols for safety were, were put into place. And it sounds like it was a really, really great event. Uh, you know, Simmons is a guy who we've talked about it so many times. You know, taking taking full advantage of that second chance that he got, and now giving back to his community. I thought it was pretty cool, and cool to see AJ Brown. You know, you would think it's a state guy running the camp, bunch of state players there. But he had Raquan Davis and AJ Brown there. Of course, AJ Brown's still, you know, one of Starkville's favorite sons. Yeah, um, really neat deal. And I think they had to kind of last minute maybe move the location. And yeah. Starkville said, "Hey, we, we've got a place you can do it." City of Starkville yeah. said that uh, yeah. some park rec area, and uh, they were able to have it. And saw some pictures from the weekend. Looked like everybody was uh, was rocking their masks and yeah. kind of being smart about it. And I agree with you. That's a, a really cool deal. Uh, and it looked like the turnout was fantastic. I, I don't know how many kids, kids they had. 350? Three, yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's super. And I agree with you. I mean, you know, there are questions, I suppose, sometimes about, you know, how long you have to pay for your sins. Yeah. And the reality is, sometimes they never go away completely, but you just kind of do the best that you can. And by all accounts, Jeffrey Simmons has done the best that he can over and over and over for the last three and a half years. And to see him kind of rebuild his name been pretty cool to watch, not only on the football field, but uh, in the way he's doing things off the football field as uh, as well. Yeah. Borky, how about a winner? Far less meaningful than holding a camp for kids for free. NASCAR announced okay. over the weekend that on Wednesday, uh, they have an all-star race in Bristol. Each car will be outfitted with neon underglow. Talk about... Mm. Um, it's way cool. Like Fast and the Furious style neon underglow that the cars are going to be rocking at the All Star Race. I will put it on for that reason alone, just to see NASCAR run a neon glow like their uh, may he rest in peace, Paul Walker, and uh, Fast and the Furious. Wonder if this could become a permanent thing at night races. If they pull it off, it should be. I think it's gonna be really cool. Wonder if it'll be Re- distracting though to the drivers. You would think not, right? You imagine they would have tested this and stuff by now. I guess so. I mean, they could all just wear their sunglasses at night. Be really cool. Thank you, Corey Hart. (laughs) Yeah, my God. No worries. You know, you you've got the um, the communication piece with your with uh, with your pit crew. Wonder if any of those guys have like an alternate earpiece where they can listen to some tunes while they drive. Seems guess probably doesn't. It, they gotta it does have the seem guy unlikely. Got to have the guy in their ear telling them what's going on. Oh, I understand that. That's why I said, you know, like a a separate earpiece. Like left ear could be driver communications with pit crew, and right ear could be 
you know, listening to Danger Zone. Or, I mean, airports have had the technology for decades. Just when the guy needs to talk to you, the music stops and he comes oh, in. It's just... so maddening, though. Yeah, well. I mean, they're peeing on themselves. How bad could it get? Yeah. Do not talk to me. I'm in the Kenny Loggins part. <laughs> um, it would be pretty sweet driving a NASCAR with Danger Zone on. <laughs> in, your, in the home stretch. Um, they had a great finish, by the way, um, over the weekend as well. They were four wide on the last lap. Pretty cool. Let's see. Um, I go to golf yesterday. Man, an early start to the uh, to the final round of the work day charity tournament. I think that's what they called it. And it was at uh, at Muirfield in Ohio, Dublin, Ohio, right outside of Columbus Jack's course. They're going to play the Memorial this week. Colin Morikawa, who uh, really kind of had some scar tissue from just a couple of weeks ago, uh, blowing it by not being able to make clutch putts at the end. Well, this time he made some clutch putts down the stretch and forced a uh, a playoff and on the third playoff hole a ho hum par to uh, to beat Justin Thomas. And I guess Justin Thomas has got to go on the losers list had a three shot lead going into the final round. Lost four shots in fir- in the first four holes to Morikawa and Victor Hobland. Then came storming back and had a three shot lead with three to play. Justin Thomas was not pleased after the fact. He said there's absolutely no excuse for giving up a three-shot lead with three to play. And yet that's what exactly what he did with the bogey on 16 and uh, just got beat down the stretch and then lost in the playoff to uh, Morikawa. Borky, the young talent on the PGA Tour right now is insane. Yeah, it is. And they're shining, too. Another example of the PGA Tour being a winner, by the way, at least upcoming this weekend. So same golf course, very different field. Charlie Hoffman, who you got to interview last year, finished uh, tied for seventh this weekend. He's the fifth alternate this upcoming weekend. That's how good the field is, including Tiger Woods. Who's the fifth alternate? Charlie Hoffman. He finishes in the top ten wow. and has to be the fifth alternate the next week. That's how good the field is. Mm. Ed in Brookhaven, question on the C Spire text line. Richard, just got in my car. Any news on SEC football? No, we're going to go with the uh, no news is good news thing for right now. Because it's just quite simply not bad news. And things aren't looking good right now. Probably not telling you anything you don't already know. Let's switch to the loser side of things. And I'm just going to kind of tell you that I think at this point, if you're not wearing a mask in public, you're a loser. I don't like it. You probably don't like it. None of us like it, but most of us like football. And most of us like restaurants to be open 
bars to be open and businesses to be open and people not to die. And if we don't wear masks and COVID keeps spreading like wildfire as it has for the last, I don't know, four to six weeks with this kind of spike all over the place, then we're going to have businesses closed, then we're going to have restaurants closed, and we're going to have bars closed, and we're not going to have football, and people are going to die. So wear a mask. Don't be a loser. And you can get team-specific ones. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, they're selling them now. Uh, just yeah, All you have to do is Google it. Uh, but you can get the M State logo on the mask you have to wear in public if you're in one of the 13 counties or an Ole Miss logo. I've got a Pelicans one. You can get Saints ones, too. I mean, you can support your guys while covering your face. Or you can just wear the hospital grade ones. Well, that, like too. But Baby blue with white trim. Or you can just get solid color. I mean, they're everywhere now. It's not like it's hard to find a mask anymore. Right. Mine's just super comfortable, though. I would encourage getting one of these because it doesn't bother me at all. We will get Michael Borky and Brian Haydad's losers when we continue. And we will get to some of your winners and losers on the C Spire text line. Be right back. It's just a shame, that's all. I could say day and you'd say Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Got a message a second ago. said, where's the uh, evidence that masks work? I don't have any. I'm not a doctor. But I know whatever it is that we're doing right now doesn't appear to be working. Well, that is... And I'd like to have college football. So, give it a go, and if it doesn't work out, then what have you lost? Wearing a mask for a few weeks? Again, you can make fun of us after. If, if, that, if we were wrong, go right ahead. But also, a quick Google search tells you that there is. Now, it's not 100%. I mean, if that's your goal, well, then good luck. 100% effectiveness is to stay at home by yourself forever and hope that the delivery guy that brings you food doesn't have it. But Which is an epidemiologist fantasy. Of course. Just make the whole world like lock up in their house and never leave home, and we can rid the world of germs and sickness and everything else. Just don't ever go back outside again, because if we do, we won't have immune systems and we'll all die. Yeah, but there is anecdotal evidence that suggests that it does help slow the spread down. Now, I, I'm i with you. I, I said this on the Sunday show. You were told in February, in March, by the medical people that they don't do anything and you don't have to wear one. There's a clip that still gets shared to this day of Anthony Fauci saying, oh, you don't have to wear one, they don't help. Well, things have changed since then. They've learned more, and especially in places like Japan, where mask wearing is part of the culture pre-coronavirus, their caseload was tiny. Their death numbers were tiny, and people are attributing that to mass mask wearing. And generally, they're a little bit healthier than we are in America, but it's not even just there. It's around here. There is now, it is anecdotal. It's not 100% effective, but there is, there are studies that say that they do help mitigate the spread to some degree, whether it's minuscule or not. As long as you're helping mitigate the spread, why would you, why would you not do it? On top of that, The head of the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, not the World Health Organization that has weird ties to China, the American CDC, said if everybody wore masks for six weeks, we would kick it into the ground. That guy probably knows more than the meme that that we see on Facebook. Yeah, maybe so. Or maybe he's wrong. He could be wrong. 
but I trust that guy. I don't know. I don't know that I trust anybody. But my thought is almost just like, well, why not? Because nothing else seems to be working. So, say what? DTA. I I appreciate that. Very good. It's a good philosophy. DTA. Don't trust anyone. Don't trust anybody. Oh. The There's great a, it's all Stone it, it's Cold Steve Austin like, told us to do that. Well, you know what though? Before Stone Cold Steve Austin was telling us that, mm. Super Talk Mississippi was giving us a different version of that. It said, "Never trust nobody." Yeah, there's still some of those stickers floating those around here. Those bumper stickers too. are yeah. floating around. <laughs> I've never seen that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, we need to re up those. There's probably the the sound clip on the board, Borky. The "Never Trust Nobody" sound clip. I'll look for it. That was on. Uh, it was JT's show for everybody. That's good stuff. For forever. Uh, let's see here. Ceasefire text line. Angry text incoming after saying, "If you're not wearing a mask, you're a loser." LOL. So far, it hasn't been like that. It hasn't happened. One yet. message. The reason they said not to wear ha- masks was because there was a shortage, and they didn't want the hospitals to end up without them. They're actually before you. To that. Before you shake your head, oh, that would never happen. I, I would point you to the toilet paper aisle to have a yeah, look there. Seriously, I, I went to uh, the big box store yesterday, and they they dropped a pallet of paper towels where they usually drop them. And within five minutes, it was like like a feeding frenzy. They were gone. I mean, people watched the the thing uh, the. Forklift come in, put the pallet down, and they just converged on it. And then within seconds, they were all gone. I got one, though. Not to brag. Uh, Ceasefire text line, Richard gives Jeffrey Simmons a pass, but still bashes Freeze frequently. He is my loser. Okay. I did respond to that. I said, uh, didn't give him a pass. Said you sometimes have to carry your sins forever, but was cool to see him making the most of his opportunity. My personal experience shapes my feelings about Hugh Freeze, and that's really as far as I care to go on that. I'll never deny he's a good football coach, maybe even a great one. When did Freeze ever ask for uh, an apology? Uh, Offer an apology? When did he ever uh, say, hey, I did wrong, and you know, I'm sorry for that? I missed it if it happened. Well, I mean, he's... He's given mm-hmm. versions of apologies along the way. And and to to his, to his credit, the I'm texter responded. I'm on a diet right now, I guess. He I'm said, I'm me and my I'm family I'm have personal experiences with Freeze and his family, and those it's nothing but good. Sins can be forgiven, don't have to follow us. Consequences, however, often do follow us. Thanks for the response. Yeah, appreciate you checking in. And, and you mentioned his family as well. I have no, nothing bad to say about anybody. I didn't even really say anything bad about you. I just kind of got nothing for him. Other than the fact that he's a good football coach. And I will continue to say that. Uh, Simmons was in Starkville where I work today. That is a large human. Yes, That's from is. Cody and Tupelo. I've learned uh, during this NBA bubble thing, you're seeing a lot of content come from it, but that all of the players are having to use like the Disney hotel stuff, so the Disney beds and chairs and all that. Giannis and Tito Canupo, however you say his last name, was sitting in a normal person chair. Wait, try that again? Uh, Giannis, the Greek freak. We'll just go with Giannis. Um, was sitting. Not that hard is it? it I, I've just I've heard it so many different ways. I think it's 
Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. That's we'll go with that. Giannis was sitting in like a normal human ballroom chair, and he made it look like he was sitting in a toddler's chair. I mean, we just we don't appreciate the size of athletes until you see them doing normal people stuff. Especially me. I'm like I'm a big guy. I'm not tall, but I'm I'm big. And I, you know, go back and find the interview I did with Drake Dorbeck from the uh, the the whole trophy Connerly Trophy presentation. I mean, he just dwarfs me. It's crazy how big some of these guys. Yeah. Simmons is a monstrous, monstrously large man. Standing Ripley on the C Spire text line. We've been playing travel baseball for six weeks now straight. People are everywhere that are close together. I'm also, um, I'm also in there with them. Nobody's wearing a mask. That's in Tennessee and Alabama. It's packed. I just don't see it. It's blown way out of proportion. Just my opinion. Media has everyone scared. Not saying it's not there, but it's not that bad. Results can be sketchy. Look, Stan, I, I honestly, Stan, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I don't. But these positive test results are coming from somewhere. And it's clear that in Mississippi, and in Alabama, and in Georgia, and in Florida, and in Texas, and in other places, South Carolina. I'm just kind of looking at the SEC footprint, Tennessee. The positive test results are up. Do I think the media has a bit of an agenda? Yeah, I do. I do. Do I think that this thing is going to miraculously go away on November 4th if Joe Biden becomes president? Nah, maybe not like immediately. But I think it will get much smaller very quickly. That makes means I got a tinfoil hat on my head, so be it. I just believe that. I think this has become as much a political issue as it has become a public health issue, but there is a public health element to it. And the reality is our hospitals in Mississippi, just Mississippi, not even talking about anywhere else, are more crowded than they have been. They are more crowded to the point that Dr. Dobbs and the governor have restricted elective surgeries. I don't know if they updated that restriction today. I know on Friday going into the weekend, the restriction was no elective surgery where an overnight stay was required. You could still have same-day outpatient surgery. ICU beds and metro area hospitals are more full than they have been. I don't think we're going to shut the whole thing down, but I know we got to get better. And I really hate that my kids can't go see their grandparents. I mean, they can see my mom. She's We just kind of made the decision she was going to be around us and She'd just be kind of part of our group. But we've decided that they don't need to like be able to spend the night with their Jane's parents. Just doesn't make sense. No reason to take the risk. And that kind of stinks for everybody involved. Hey, Dad, did you have a little bit of hesitation in going to see your mom last weekend? Yes. Yeah, but it's been a long time, right? Been since Christmas. I mean, sometimes you got to weigh risk and reward. I, I, I get that, but 
don't don't have the answers. Not at all. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. More coming up. Streaming at supertalk.fm. I have a new favorite thing, by the way. A single dissenting opinion makes you a liberal. That's where we're... Well, it's this same thing on the other side, too, though. Yeah. It's definitely both ways. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. I have a particularly very left-leaning, very good friend in a, a group message that I'm in. And yesterday, he said, Joe Biden is no better than George W. Bush when it comes to politics. So, I, I mean, it's both sides. Yeah. I, yes. I, I, mm-hmm. Man. Try to make sense of that, because I couldn't. I will not try to make sense of it. I I will give you that George Bush is more toward the middle than the mainstream Republicans that are out there right now. Especially and now. probably has moved more toward the middle post-presidency than at any point in time in which he was in the presidency. Um. I mean, does Joe Biden really have the reputation for kind of being <laughs> left oh. center? Hey, yeah. He, I mean, I guess he kind of does a little bit, but there are a lot of people that think he will be pushed in whatever direction they want to push him, which will not be toward the middle. Well, that's kind of how things are going. It's You're either all in or you are all out, and nuanced when it comes to particular issues is non-existent I had a conversation with buddy dinner on saturday night about just this kind of kind of a continuation of the conversation that we had on friday about compromise and federal politics and working together and actually getting things done and when things changed fascinating fascinating stuff uh sports talk mississippi with you 601-879-4395 guys any news on how football practices are going they're not at least not right now you have two teams in the nfl that are supposed to report to training camp on saturday the texans and i forget the other um but they haven't agreed on protocols or anything yet so you would imagine unless that happens this week that Training camp start will get pushed back a little bit, which is okay because they've cut the preseason in half. They don't need to rush to this, but that's something to keep an eye on. It's it's not a wage dispute like you saw with Major League Baseball because most people assume that the NFL players, if they play games, are going to get their salaries. They're not going to have that prorated stuff. At least that's the understanding among people. That doesn't seem like the issue, but protocols and testing and those kind of things haven't been agreed upon yet. And they seem kind of far off on it right now. So they're supposed to start practice this weekend, and they're not close to, to being there. So what, in terms of the, the biggest questions that are out there between the NFL and the Players Association in terms of protocols, um, or at least some of what they've agreed on at this point? Yeah, they've started. They've they've got like a checklist. They're going down the list. They have some agreements, but the big stuff is still out there. They have not agreed on preseason games and testing protocols. So no fans will be at training camp, but teams are going to be able to have up to two fan events at stadiums with strict protocols. 
if it's allowed in their local markets. When fans are allowed at games, they will be required to wear face coverings. Hmm. Actual training camp schedule of practices can be tied to the preseason game questions. So they're not there yet, and they haven't quite figured out the economics yet? They have not. So the players sent a proposal to the league, and um, it included no escrow of 2020 salaries, a flat cap for 2021. So they've already agreed to a cap this year, but they're afraid that revenues are going to shrink, therefore the cap's going to shrink. They are asking for a flat cap of $198 million, and to spread this year's revenue loss over the next eight salary caps starting in 2022. So next year, no change. In two years from now, they're hoping that caps can start going back up and they can apply this year's losses to the caps going up to 2030, which I think is kind of a smart idea to keep your, your from the player's perspective, to keep us paid, mitigate your losses over the next few years. Our salaries may not grow as much, but at least they're not going to shrink. And they're also asking for full salaries, even if games are canceled. That might be what gets said no to. But they're going through back and forth. Most people think the league is going to pay them full salary, though. Hmm. They'll figure it out. Did not get this news before the start of the show. It came down a little less than an hour ago. We knew that they were meeting at the national level for the Junior College Association today. We will give you the results of that meeting. We uh, have a proposal from the University of Texas to be able to move forward with some plans that uh, the university hopes will satisfy some of the demands of their athletes And a quarterback who has made a move from the West Coast to almost the East Coast is going to be allowed to play this year. All of that coming up for the College Football Fix and a whole lot more as we roll into the 5 o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi with Borky and Hey Dad. I'm Richard Cross. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you rolling into the 5 o'clock hour on this Monday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. We are 10 days. Today's the 13th. Yeah, 10 days away from the 8th annual Palmer Home for Children Radiothon on Super Talk Mississippi. Hope you will make your plans to be with us one week from Thursday for uh, that event. It's going to look a little different. It's going to sound a little bit different this year. Uh, because we're in a little bit of a different time, but uh, still going to be uh, incredibly, uh, it's going to be a great day. And it always is. It's one of our favorite days on the calendar every single year. Uh, and part of the reason that it, it is our favorite is because you, uh, through the years, have been so incredibly supportive of Palmer Home and the work that is going on at, uh, at that special place. Look forward to telling you more about that as we get a little bit closer. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but Ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, period. Unlimited talk and text, 10 gigabytes of high-speed data, 45 bucks a line with auto pay and paperless billing, just $50 without auto pay. How's that for fine print? No bull. That's the real deal. Switch today at cspire.com slash real deal. Punch to get to right here. It's time for the college football fix. 
Just doesn't want to play for me today. I'm hitting the button. It's there. Just I not hear it. You do? I don't. Why do not why do I not hear it? I can hear it. It's the old ESPN college football yeah, theme that's song what it's supposed music. to be. Uh, college football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Log on to buyfordnow.com huh. and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. You can also go to ford.com and check out the countdown clock for the big reveal. The wait is almost over. One hour, 51 minutes, and 12 seconds until the Bronco makes its world premiere. The 2021, the 2020-2021 Bronco, the legend returning. Oh, I hope it looks as good as they always have. So anyway, you can check that out tonight. BuyFordNow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Let's start at the uh, junior college level. Plan of action out of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, where the National Junior College Athletic Association had an important meeting today. Following the recommendation from the Presidential Advisory Council and the NJCAA Board of Regents, they've announced an adjusted plan of action for the upcoming academic year. Following the vote on Monday, a majority of competition will be moved to the spring semester. Here is a quote from Dr. Christopher Parker, president and CEO. Our greatest focus is and always has been providing the best opportunity for our student-athletes through a unified effort from our Presidential Advisory Council, the Board of Regents, and leadership staff, Our most recent plan of action provides a path that keeps our student-athletes competing at the highest level, blah, blah, blah. What's the plan of action? All winter sports competition will begin in January with a majority of championship seasons moved from March to April. These sports include men's and women's basketball, wrestling, swimming, and diving. Men's and women's bowling, indoor track and field will be held at the beginning of of March. The most recent plan of action shifts all close contact fall sports to the spring semester. That includes football, men's and women's soccer, and volleyball. Cross-country championships for all three divisions and half-marathon championships will remain as their originally scheduled dates in the fall, as well as Division Three women's tennis. That's a lot of words. I'm sorry. Junior college football is being pushed to the spring. That's going to be really interesting to see how they pull that off. It says, along with the adjustments to competition season and championship dates, they provided information as it relates to scrimmage and practice dates and allowances in the fall. So my hope is that over the next couple of days, we'll be able to visit with some junior college officials in the state of Mississippi, whether it's an athletics director or a president or a football coach or maybe a few of those folks. And we're going to try and understand what the real impact is. What does this do to rosters? We don't have guys at junior colleges for three and four years. It's a two years at most proposition. Other than maybe in some very... Unique situations. Yeah. 
For some folks, it's a single semester. For some folks, it's a year and a half. For some folks, it's two solid years. But we know that every two years, these rosters completely flip. Every year, half of the roster flips. At least half of the roster flips. Sometimes more than that. And so there's this constant turnover at the junior college level. So what is that going to look like if we've got National Signing Day on the first Wednesday in December? Or whenever, mid-December, whenever it is. I don't remember. 13th, whatever the day is. Yeah, junior college kids signing D1 scholarships all over the place. So are they out of there? A lot of them enroll mid-year. So that they can go through a spring practice. Is there going to be a spring practice? Or are we going to have a Division I spring season? If we do, do they push National Signing Day back until after that season? Shall we just keep throwing out questions that we don't have answers to? <laughs> I mean, just I mean, think at, about you know, it. I mean, hey, Dad, we can start down one road, okay, about playing games. And then you start uh, talking about visits and recruiting cycles and signing day dates and when high schools are going to play and when junior colleges are going to play and when the NFL draft is going to be. They're not moving. That's the one thing we know it's not moving. NFL, they're the biggest. That's like the that's like the North Star. We're just setting the compass to the NFL draft, and we were to build around that. Yeah. Or you just live with the fact that you're going to have a bunch of guys who are college football players that have played their last college football. Yeah. And that would be disappointing for some, for others, yeah, whatever. Don't have to play any more college football. Don't have to take no more testes. That's a great line. There is a former football player from the state of Mississippi. I'm going to withhold his name and withhold the person who told me this story. It was kind of a late enrollee, and about halfway through the year, so a one-semester guy at a Division I university in Mississippi, and said, uh, hey, how's school going? Everything going all right? Oh, no, sir. I don't take no testes. One semester, signed a big old contract in the NFL and was on his merry way. I'll fill in the gaps for you later, hey, Des. I feel like I have a guess, but... Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, looking at Mississippi State, just real quick, you know, they had a couple of JUCO commitments in there. Uh, Navante Strong is a December graduate, so my guess is his playing days are done. He'll sign with MSU as quickly as he can. Yeah. I guess it help, helps him pick up an extra year of eligibility for Mississippi State. He'll have three years now because he's not playing this season. Uh, Cortez Eatman was a guy who's a, supposed to be a May graduate, so I don't know how this will affect him. I, I assume that he will not play that season because – I, I would think, you know, unless they're going to change the rule, if he signs at any point, you got to think you're ineligible to play at the JUCO level. But even if you aren't, do you want to play in that? Sort of the same thing we're talking about with the NFL guys. Do you want to say, okay, well, I won't sign until after the season. Then you get hurt. Oh, we don't have a scholarship for you anymore. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, and then, okay, what about roster sizes? So let's say you've got mid-year enrollees who are supposed to be coming in in December 
But what if we ended up playing a spring football season? Are those mid-year enrollees going to be eligible to play this spring? If you're not, you're going to talk about you're, you're going to have some some rosters that are smaller than some you know small high school teams out here in, the, in, in Mississippi. You're going to have some 25, 30 man rosters going to play JUCO football. No, I'm talking about at the Division One level. Oh, I thought we were still talking about JUCO. Yeah, that no, I don't no, know I, the answer I, to. Yeah, but I mean, you get you get what I'm saying. Like, okay, so, I, I think uh, that you're a, it's it's you know you're a signee for twenty whatever for twenty twenty one. So your clock doesn't start running until you play what would be in normal years. But, but hey, Dad, if a junior college I, I player saying. graduates this December and enrolls for the spring semester, but we play a spring football season for SEC teams, is that kid that enrolled for the spring semester going to be eligible to play on this upcoming team? I wouldn't think so because of the nature. Are you going to use that to calendar. offset the losses for guys that are going to the draft and your smaller roster size? That's, a, that's an idea, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm reading the story on the SEC website. There's a statement I'll read to you in a second. I'm not like in a hurry to do it because it doesn't say anything. Listen to this release. This is where we are. Southeastern Conference Athletic Directors met on Monday at the SEC office in Birmingham to discuss SEC and college athletics issues. The athletics directors and members of the SEC staff convened Monday morning and met until late in the afternoon in the SEC's Kramer-Moore Conference Room, the largest conference room in the SEC office, which allowed for social distancing of the group. Thank you for letting us know that. Somebody thought they had to put that in there. I, Otherwise, you were going to get the, you're telling us to wear a mask and you're not wearing a mask. You're all beaten in the same place. <laughs> They're not wrong. And so they include several external groups and individuals participated by video conference. Here's the statement, by the way. We had a productive meeting on Monday and engaged in discussions on a number of important issues that will contribute to critical decisions to be made in the weeks ahead. The ability to personally interact over the course of an entire day contributed to the productivity of the meeting. Thanks for that. It's clear that current circumstances related to COVID-19 must improve, and we will continue to closely monitor developments around the virus on a daily basis. In the coming weeks, we will continue to meet regularly with campus leaders via video conferences and gather relevant information while guided by medical advisors. We believe that late July will provide the best clarity for making the important decisions ahead of us. There's one sentence in there that means anything. And it's the last one. And look, you guys know I like Greg Sankey. I think he's brilliant. I, I think he's well-intentioned. I think he does a good job. But, man, he does not say anything. In a statement, there is one relevant piece of information out of that entire statement, and that is we're going to make a decision in late July. I do appreciate uh, the fact that they're not panicking. I think their conclusion is going to be similar to that of the Big Ten because their choice, their options are kind of being taken away from them. However, it would have been very easy to panic and say, oh, we're doing the same, just to fall in line with everyone else. It is kind of nice to see that they're taking the wait, we don't have to make this call right now, approach to it. Exactly what they're saying. 
That said, there has been communication, hey Deb, between the SEC and the ACC about keeping some of those non-conference yeah, games we, in place. Good. We've been talking about that. Yeah, and I think it would make sense to you know if you can to talk to some of your other regional conferences to try to maybe find some G five schools that can that you could play or some FCS schools you could play. I sort of outlined that on today's Thunder and Lightning podcast. One other thing to remember, by the way, late July. That's not exactly you know way down the road. I no, expect today's the thirteenth. Yeah, I expect what, Friday the twenty fifth. Throughout as we as we welcome to the weekend, the college football fix will have to be changed really quick because at five oh seven they will uh, announce what's going to happen. You think they'll do it on Friday, or you think you, they go Monday the twenty seventh? Give me a good Friday news dump, man. That's what I want. And I if it's delaying, that this is a news dump, though. Oh, I get that. But I'm just saying. If or, they're delaying the start of the season. It, then there's absolutely no reason to rush it, and that would be okay. Mm. I, like I think, it, who was it, Pete Thamel uh, that ran a story today, and uh, the way he's teasing it is we have to just get over the fact that we're going to have football this fall because it's not going to happen, and he had some source that said that nobody believes it's actually going to happen and we all just need to get over it was the premise yeah. of the story. Yeah, I read it, and I was like, eh. It's kind of wringing your hands. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, especially because they are trying and will try to do everything in their power to not play in the spring. Maybe that's where we end up, but all that has to be done is a plateau and maybe a slight decline in positive case rate. That's that's what it's going to come down to for us getting football, or at least to schedule a season out, as if the in, the increase stops. I, I mean, That'll I'll be, be honest difference. with you, though. I mean... I, look, a couple of things. One, if I just had a lot of money, like stupid money, I'd go buy a bunch of pearl necklaces and send them to people like Pete Thamel and Dan Wolken and whatnot, just so they could have something to literally clutch and they wouldn't have to do it figuratively. That'd be great. Uh, so that that's kind of as an aside. There is pessimism even among people who have been extremely optimistic that it'll be really hard to do this I asked someone over the weekend have you given up on the idea of a football season and the response was no I haven't given up on it not, I'm not there yet but if at one point I was 70-30 in the positive, it's now like 30-70. But, Borky, your point's a good one. I mean, we pretty quickly went from 70-30 to 30-70 in terms of how you might couch the idea of a football season. There's no reason to think it couldn't go back the other way in a similar amount of time. Yeah. Two weeks ago, we were pretty confident there was going to be football. Don't tell me in two weeks we couldn't be confident again if people start, you know, doing what they need to do. Yeah. Um, it's going to look different. if Even if it gets played, I mean, it's not a 12-game season, you know, with four non-conference opponents and, you know, everything is just hunky-dory. I, I, I think that idea is gone. But we can all agree on that, right? It's absolutely not going to be normal at all in any way. And that's okay, though, it, because abnormal, at least 
people survive, financially survive. Yeah. Uh, here's what happened in the meeting today. They, uh, the ADs heard a report from uh, the committees, the Return to Activity and Medical Guidance Task Force Committees, uh, relevant to the current preseason calendar and the approaching fall seasons of competition, including an update on current testing procedures. Among the topics discussed, possible scheduling options for holding athletic competition in the fall, uh, game management best practices for ensuring a healthy environment at athletics events for student-athletes, coaches, officials, staff, and fans, and they received updates on other matters common to conference meetings. So there. I got a question. I wonder if Ole Miss has asked the league if they would consider releasing that um, money that's being held in escrow a little sooner, given the current status. It's a good question. I would lobby for it. I mean, what's the worst they're going to do? Say no. Yeah. Well, and when I wonder. When was that due to I, Ole Miss? Say what? When was it originally due to go to Ole Miss? Well, it's five years after. It's like your, 2022. Your penalty. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's like another oh, two okay. and a half. It's I like it was, two, two and a half years off. left. Okay. Now, they go off of probation this November, and then I think it's December of 22 okay. when they receive the money. So, I mean, it'd be two years early. I mean, it, it's a it's a big ask. I mean, you, you would have served three of the five years um, with that money sitting out there in escrow. I just wonder if there's a mechanism where, you know, if you've got a good enough relationship with the other people in the league, you could say, look, this is a, we realize this is an unprecedented request, but we're also in unprecedented times. Everybody else in the league got their full share. We understand why we didn't get our full share, but we also know that we contributed $8 million that got split 13 ways where everybody got a little bonus for us being in trouble because that's what happens with that money. So half of it went into escrow where Ole Miss is eligible for that down the line, and the other half of it got split among the other members. I mean, I just wonder if you say, I mean, even if you don't give it all to us now, could we get half of it? You hold the other half for the remainder of the deal or in the unlikely event that we were to break the terms of the deal not only do we have to repay that but we have to repay it with you know a 20% penalty or yeah something along those lines also the whole we're taking postseason events away from you even though you don't fly that flag on your campus thing was handled pretty graciously as well by everybody in Mississippi yep look forward to an announcement from the league in the next few weeks hey dad where uh both mississippi state and ole miss are awarded some postseason events as a tip of the cap for their cooperation it really should happen tennis golf something it happened in south carolina they got the women's tournament as a direct result so same thing needs to happen here
Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Had a message on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395, that simply said, OMG, RC. And I said, what? They said, give money early for breaking rules to sharks. <laughs> My response was, all I said was, I wonder if Ole Miss is asked. What's the worst thing the league could say? The money is sitting there in escrow, and these are fairly unprecedented times. And the response was, agree, but why? They broke rules. Do we agree on that? Y- yes. Cl- clearly. And received a depending on who you ask, an extremely significant or an extremely insignificant punishment from the NCAA. Completely depends on who you ask. It definitely depends on who you ask. But they received a punishment nonetheless from the NCAA, and there was a significant financial penalty that was associated with it as well, not only from the NCAA but from the SEC because they were not eligible for the postseason. They missed out on the postseason revenue the way that works is that money is taken, half of it goes into escrow, the other half of it is distributed to the other schools that are not on probation. And so there's $8 million for two seasons of missed postseason revenue uh, for Ole Miss that is sitting in an escrow account of some law office, or maybe the SEC has its own escrow account, I don't know. I was simply floating the idea. If I were Keith Carter, and I tend to think that this has happened, I would be lobbying on behalf of my institution for maybe an early distribution of, the, of it, at the very least, a portion of those funds. But with some sort of a, I mean, you know, you got to give safeguards to the league. I mean, it's not just, hey, out of the goodness of your heart, would you mind going ahead and giving to this? It's, We're in an incredibly difficult time. Everybody is tight on cash right now. You know, we've been punished by the NCAA. We've been punished by the league. We've served this. The only thing that's still hanging out there is that cash. And we could desperately use it. Is there anything we could do to allow that to happen? So, yeah, did they break the rules? Of course. Of course they did. That's part of the punishment. If you're a parent, sometimes you choose to change the punishment. Sometimes you don't. We probably change it more often than we should. Right, hey, Dad? No, no doubt about that. No question. Yeah. Michael Borky, why is JT Daniels immediately eligible at Georgia? Been looking for this one all day. Borky versus NCAA. Go! (laughs) That's a fantastic question. All I'll say is this. I'm okay with the player getting immediately eligible. I think that should be a rule anyway. 
a, a student can transfer wherever they want. Yes, I, I know it's different. But a student can go wherever they want as long as their credits transfer. It's all good. Students can get jobs while on scholarship for something, and it's all good. Coaches can up and leave and get another school to pay their multi-million dollar buyout for them whenever they want to, so a player should be allowed to do the same thing. However, if JT Daniels, who is literally only transferring away from Southern Cal, I think he has a USC tattoo on his body somewhere, a California kid went to Southern Cal, was a starter as a freshman, got hurt, his backup played better than him, and was not going to relinquish the job, wasn't going to play, so he transferred somewhere else only because of that reason. If he's immediately eligible, that means, or it should mean, every player that has transferred since the end of last season to now should also be granted immediate eligibility. Full stop, you can't convince me otherwise or give me another scenario that makes sense. If he's immediately eligible, every single transfer should also be immediately eligible, no questions asked. Because he is transferring across the country away from home just because he lost his starting job. And don't forget that there's no... Ill will. This this is not hey, I got run off by a coach or they you know they were saying horrible things about he said when he entered the portal that hey I might come back to USC. Clearly he did not he liked being at USC, he just realized I'm not going to play there. So yeah, this is just classic rich getting richer, you know. If if JT Dan, if JT Daniels had transferred from the University of Idaho to Southern Illinois, he would not be eligible today. But he transferred from USC to Georgia. We can make that happen for you. He has a Trojan helmet tattooed on his right leg above the outside of the L.A. Coliseum. That's, that's hey, easy what, to fix. what schools did you use as an example just a second ago? University of Idaho to Southern Illinois. Okay. Let's use a different example. If he was transferring from the University of Southern California to Mississippi State, would he have been ruled immediately eligible? I don't believe so. He was transferring from the University of Southern California to the University of Mississippi. Would he have been ruled immediately eligible? I don't believe so. I mean, look at look at Alan Love last year from transferred from Louisville to Mississippi State. Transferred close to home. He's from uh, the he's from uh, I think in Birmingham or in that area. Uh, transferred close back to home. Did not receive immediate eligibility. This guy is transferring over two thousand miles away. Immediate eligibility. Loved. Um... Love JT Daniels' tweet also. Really excited for the opportunity to uh, play immediately, compete for a job at Southern Cal. I will have no comment on the transfer, my uh, the waiver process, or the decision by the NCAA. Of course not. See if I can read it directly. I was, I was paraphrasing. On Twitter, thank you to the NCAA for granting me immediate eligibility and allowing me to play football this fall. I will not comment on the waiver or transfer, <laughs> but look forward to a great 2020 season with my teammates. It's either that or he threw Southern Cal way under the bus for something. Yeah, possibly. And now, if you're Jamie Newman, what do you do? He's winning that job. Well, if he wants to, he can transfer somewhere without having to sit out. He could. He could. So I talked to Jake Rowe from uh, Dogs 24-7 a few weeks back. You can find that at supertalk.fm or wherever you get podcasts. And uh, he made it pretty clear. He thought he agrees with Borky that Newman's just so far ahead at this game, at this point. Now, 
Now it becomes a question of ahead. How how is he ahead? And taking a well, snap just, in spring ball. He's just been there though. He's at least been on campus. He's been talking to coaches and and going through some workout. Daniels wasn't even on campus as of I guess four weeks ago when I did that interview. He also didn't underperform and lose his starting job. Well, there's that too. So he got hurt and lost his starting job. That's true too. He underperformed just, it, and lost his starting job. That is a fact. Well, he was not getting it back. My my point I was going to try to make is, what happens as the season gets delayed? Hold that, on, that, hold on, hold on, hold on. Was he losing his starting job if he had not gotten hurt to Keaton Slovis? If he kept playing the way he was, probably. He was bad, man. I know he was a freshman, but let's not pretend like he lit the world on fire and just so happened to... It, this isn't a, well, Chris Leak, Tim Tebow situation where Leak was really good and he just got hurt and the, the guy behind him was just a little bit better. A lot better. He won the Heisman. But Chris Leak was good. <laughs> Daniels was not good. <laughs> yeah, all-time leading passer in the SEC. Yes. Yeah, uh, but Leak was right, good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he it was good quarterback. That's not what happened over there. Sorry, Paul, Ed, I, I interrupted you that, fourteen times. That's fine. It's it's fine. It's, I'm used to it. Uh, it was just you know if if we if we delay the season if we end up in a spring season, well, I mean I don't know that Newman would stick around for that anyway. But right now, if you said put money on who the starting quarterback is for the Georgia Bulldogs, I would be tempted to put it on JT Daniels. Do I hear a steak bet? I'm in. No, no I'm not in for that. I'm, I'm, I th- it's too close. to. F- it's like 51-49 for me. But wait, wait, wait. You just said you'd be willing to put money on it, and so I gave you the opportunity to put that, money on it via a ribeye. And you're like, He would be eh. the betting favorite. He would be the bet. When am I going to get it? I had. If you listen to today's podcast, I had to will my steak that you currently owe me to Joel in case I die before we're all allowed to get together again. So yeah, if 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 I die before that the bet is paid off, you got to nope. take Joel out to dinner. No, nope, it's in my, it's in my will. Nope, it's gonna happen. Non-transferable. Look at this. You're not gonna respect my you dying didn't read wishes. The, you did not read the fine print on your betting slip. It is I never non-transferable. I was, there's no slips. You're just making yeah. things up now. Yeah. Well, I hope Joel's not depending on that to be his last meal, because <laughs> he'll be a hungry cat. Yeah, you have no honor, Richard Cross. Come on. No, I do have honor. I will pay my bet to you. If I have and an in the event that incident. you croak into the great beyond, I will think about you the next time I eat a steak. I'll have a bite in your honor. Unbelievable. Buying Joel a steak if you croak. Tune in to tomorrow's podcast to find out what I really think of Richard. I'll tell him off. Thunder and Lightning, wherever you get your podcast, you can also get the Rebel Report, the Super Talk Eagle Hour, and of course, Sports Talk Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi media production.